are listening to a message by Pastor David Guzik for Enduring Word. For more information about our ministry, please visit EnduringWord.com. Well, good afternoon, everybody. So pleased that you could join me here on a Thursday afternoon. If we've never been introduced before, my name is David Guzik, and I am a pastor. I'm a uh, author of a Bible commentary that some people find helpful, and uh, I enjoy getting together every Thursday afternoon. I do it from my home when I'm able. Sometimes when I'm traveling, I have somebody fill in for me. But I'm very pleased to be able to do this here with you regularly on a Thursday afternoon. Uh, now, you'll notice, uh, for example, that I'm a little bit off-center here in this picture. Not in the middle of the picture like I normally am, because uh, I truly am in my life. I'm off-centered without the person who's going to sit next to me. That's a funny joke that she... Well, it's not a joke. It's, it's just a, joke. a funny line that she says, this is my wife, Ingalil. And some of you guys have been... Well, we've been intending to do it, but some people have been asking about it. Mm-hmm. David, when are you going to have Ingalil on for a longer time and for an entire program? And so this is going to be it. Are you going to stick it. with us the entire time? Uh, I'm I'm hoping so. Okay, that's unless, the intention. Unless I'm misbehaving and you <laughs> kick me out. No, so. I doubt if that's going <laughs> to happen. It, it might be just the opposite. Oh. Okay, so... Here we are. You know, Thursdays, I come over here into my little office. It's in yep. our back garden. Yep. I can see our chickens right yep. outside the window yep. sometimes. Hopefully and sometimes they make noise. Yep. We might hear them. Yep. And uh, I get together with our YouTube audience. Well, not just YouTube. We have a YouTube live audience. We have a Facebook live uh, audience. audience. And we also have our TWR 360 audience. You know, TWR Trans World Radio, yes. that great shortwave radio, but they also have an online presence, mm-hmm. and we're very happy for those viewers. But, you know, look, what we do together in ministry, even though most of the time I'm only the one behind this camera, really, I think what we've experienced in our life is what we do is really a partnership. It really is, yeah. It, it works really well. We both have um, wonderful callings upon our lives. Some of it is together, some of it is separate. Um, but we have found that the... The dance in our marriage is to make the other one look good and enhance what the other one does and support what the other one does and respect what God has called each of us to do. I'm going to move this microphone just a little bit closer to the both of us. But Now, it's true that whatever I've been able to do, whatever you've been able to do in ministry, I'd like to think we've really complimented each other. Help me. I mean, I know I've felt a few. Yet, at the same time, there's a sense in which God's given us kind of our own ministries that we support each other in. Yes. Obviously, me with the Bible commentary and and God's and God's been able to use that in some yeah. unexpected ways through the years. Yeah. And but I, I and I'd like to think that I had a huge part in that, cooking for you, cleaning for well, you, not just making that. sure. Yeah. <laughs> Just Although, if keep, you remember... Keeping him alive the, so he can write commentary. The la- uh, Okay, to be honest, it's not like I discussed the commentary no. through the many decades, no. except when we got to the last chapter. The very last. Proverbs 31, which yeah. was the last chapter. The last of Bible book, Con- last chapter, right. yeah. I said, look, it's Proverbs 31. I got to ask a Proverbs 31 woman That's right. to, to help me out with this. And so that would be the one that you, we'd really say you kind of came in for a consultation on, so to speak. V- yes. And and basically, that's what it was. We talked about it. We discussed right. it. And I didn't know what he was going to pick from what I said, but um, a lot of it you picked. Some sure. of it you didn't. Sure. Well, so, yeah, just yeah. like with anybody. <laughs> <laughs> just like anything. That's right. Okay. So 
I want to talk a little bit, though, because this is something our YouTube audience might not know much about, mm. about some of the really wonderful ministry that God's given you to do. Mm. Now, you are a teacher and a conference speaker, though maybe you're not looking to do so much of that. I mean, if God really leads but right. you, but you, right. God has really used you in the past to do that. Yeah. Um, but there's something that I know is even more dear to your heart that you yes. do in ministry, and it has to do with doing dental missions in developing countries. Yes. And that that is uh, uh, an amazing opportunity that God has given me. And I I don't think I ever sought it or thought how it was going to go or pursued it or said I'm going to be a, you know, third world dentist and I'm going to, you know, go to underdeveloping countries and and provide all this dental care and I'm going to bring teams. That this is all over years and years of God working um, just in concert with us, and how how would this work? How how can we do this? It really did happen very organically very, over the years. Very organically. What, what was the first dental missions thing that you? Because you, you've had a career in the dental industry it, yes. as a dental assistant, a surgical dental assistant, mm-hmm. yeah. all all that kind of orthodontics, all that stuff. Yeah. But what was the first kind of dental missions thing that you did? That's a very. I, I wasn't wanna, it Ensenada? I think it was Ensenada. I think I think our church teamed up with Calvary Chapel Santa Barbara. We went down to Mexico. Uh, I you know there's a big form and I signed up to be part of the dental team and I was basically helping a, a dentist down there out in a soccer field, and yeah. um, from that point on we got some connections with a smaller church in the Ensenada area. And then would start going regularly, but like every six months. And we just went to orphanages and taught them how to brush teeth and gave out toothbrushes. and Did kind of dental care classes dental and care, things like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then um, then there would be an occasional little kid that had like a, you know, loose baby tooth. And, you know, we'd bring a little forceps along and we'd, you know, pull yeah. it out very gently. And, and until we were at one of these trips um, in the small church and a lady... Uh, a middle-aged lady stood in line and wanted dental care. And I said, no, 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 solamento bambinos, you know, <laughs> to only kids. And she was very insistent that she wanted to have dental care done. And um, I was, uh, you know, I was very intimidated. But the team that I had around me that were not dental professionals, they're like, oh, Ingle, you know, you can do this because she wanted a tooth pulled, a, a back tooth and a wisdom tooth pulled that was decayed. You, you remember the teeth. I remember the teeth <laughs> and I remember it as if it was yesterday. So, and I just told my team, I said, you guys, this is literally hard as like pulling teeth. And I said, if you, and they said, we'll pray, Galil, you do the work. And that struck me as something was I going to step out in faith and trust that God would do the work through me? And if they prayed, God would fulfill his promises to work through me. So um, fearful at the time, um, intimidated at the time, and not sure how this was going to end up. Uh, with infected teeth, it's hard to get them completely um, anesthetized. So I I went forward in faith, uh, trusting that God would do the work, and lo and behold, he did. But a greater fear came over me when I realized that we were leaving the next day. You don't just pull and run and, you know, get out of town. This this requires 
you know, aftercare and taking, checking up on things and looking at people. And, um, I was, I didn't sleep very good that night. I was very, very disconcerted that I had done something wrong and that it was not how it was supposed to go. And, um, waking up the morning, we were going to go to church and then head back to uh, the States. And I remember her showing up at church and I, w- I was surprised to see her because I'm thinking, and we gave her pain medication and antibiotics, so it wasn't wasn't that. And she came to church, and through the translator, I asked, you know, can I can I take a quick look in your mouth just to to see what it looks like? And and she, you know, pulled her cheek away, and you know, and I looked up there, and I kid you not, it looked like overnight that it had been healing for about a week. Wow. And that was... So the work of like seven days in one day. Seven days in one day. And that was what I needed to recognize that if I just do my part, trusting in God, not being fearful, he will do all the aftercare that is needed for each patient because he's the great dentist and great physician. So so that was the start. (laughs) That was the reminder to me that this was not me doing something. That was God using me, working through me to do something that was so needed for these people in places where they could not afford um, any kind of dental care. Great. And so since then, you've been doing this in a lot of different countries. A lot of different countries. I mean, maybe up to countries, close, probably something like to that. Right now. Yeah. All over the, do, do you want me to show these pictures? Do you sure, want to, do you want to yeah. talk a little bit about yeah, them? Okay. Sure. Let's cut to some of these okay. pictures here. Oh, this is a sweet, sweet um, lady in Kenya in a town called Terry. And she is the mother of a pastor there that we uh, have been visiting in Kenya a few times. Um, and we've had to pull a few teeth on her wow. and do, do some things. But she's she's adorable. Wow, that's great. Okay, here's a couple other pictures here. Okay, so here is one in the first one on the left is also um, in Buteri. And there you can see we're just we're just treating people on little desks that they had in a room, and we are um, working on all kinds of we working on little kids and grown ups. Uh, the one on the right is a young uh, gal we had with us, Chloe, um, to Roatan, Honduras, and she's doing a fluoride treatment on kids. Okay, so that one, that's not you, that's someone on your team. Yes, that's someone on my team. I, I don't want to have pictures of just me. No, but I of bring, course. I bring, I bring lots of people with me on these teams because uh, there's a lot of work to be done. And so for me to have trusted either friends or acquaintances, some are dental people and some are not. And some I train on the spot. Some get uh, YouTube videos. They're YouTube trained and by me that they know what they're going to do. And uh, we just take it as it goes because I, I tell people it's the treatment is super important and I'm there to check and make sure that that gets done. But the interaction that we have mm. with each patient as we talk to them and we pray mm. with them and we, we're really, the treatment is the vehicle to demonstrate God's love to them, that he cares about them in their state. And when you go over there, you're you're working with ministries. You're working with churches or orphanages, and you're helping them reach their communities better. Exactly, exactly. I'm. I never go. This is not a not a a agenda that I have on my own. That I'm going to you know try to find places to go to. The places find me. The people find me, (laughs) and ask me, um, "Can I come and bring a team?" 
And then the logistics of that starts, um, you know, how many people and, you know, who to go and where, what to do and where we're going to set up and all that. So, okay, we've been talking about your team. Let's show a picture yes. of a recent team yes. right there. Yeah, here's my most recent team from Honduras. And a really great group of women. Some are dentally trained and some are not. Some are just starting out and some have had a few trips under the But it's amazing. That, that's my sister there. In that's the, your in sister. The, one of my sisters. Yes, one yes. of your sisters yes. in the yes. pink. I, I snagged her and brought her along and she's doing great. And I've had my sister-in-law come and I've had so many friends that are dear to me. And and some retired people, retired retired right. hygienists. Right. Um, some currently working, so they have to take time off. So. Another uh, or a couple other pictures here. Okay. There's one. Yes. So there's there's that's me. It's hard to tell behind a mask sure, and glasses sure. and, and things. I can so, see it on the name tag. Yeah. So uh, if I remember right, this is a young girl that we had to do fillings in her front teeth, and um, that can be a little little uh, tedious work. But um, she's just laying on a table, and I'm sitting on a little stool. And uh, was that Honduras? That's Honduras. Okay. Yeah, that's okay. Honduras. Okay. Yeah. And then let's take a look here. I think we got one other picture to show everybody. Oh, that's a sweet young girl. (laughs) So, you know, every face, you're not quite remembering each face. They remember us more than we remember them if we come back. But this was a little girl that had to come twice. Uh, The first time her mom wanted a baby tooth pulled. And then she wanted us to treat her teeth with fluoride and such and do um, sealants on her molars. Well, I was trying to tell the mom, if we can do the other stuff first, because maybe she won't come back if we do the pulling first. And the mom said, no, she is coming back. So I trusted her, (laughs) and she was all smiles on both visits. (laughs) That's Um, all I can say. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Okay. Well, Ingela, your work, this is something that you feel God's really given you to do and called you to do. I mean, it seems evident by all the fruit, all the blessing that's come of it. Mm. What's the next trip you're going on? Next trip will be to Brazil. I will be going to Beling, that's in northern Brazil, and will be, uh, it's a smaller team on my part. Um, I'll be bringing a friend, Janelle, and we'll be going up one of the Amazon deltas Mm -hmm. and living on a ship and doing treatments in the river villages that we come across. Wow. Yeah, that'll be exciting. That's exciting, isn't it? I think so. Yeah, I better I better do these extreme trips uh, before I'm too old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When's the last time you slept in a hammock? Uh, well, I don't think I'm gonna. I think they promised me a bed. Oh, oh they got yeah, a bed. Yeah, so okay. Uh, okay, I'm good. good with that. Okay. They said that it's really hard to get used to sleeping in a hammock. So I said, okay, I need my sleep. Yeah. I'll, if I yeah. can have a regular bed, I'll do a regular bed. Thank okay. you. Okay. So, all right. So look, I, I don't want to let people think that this is all you do in serving no, the Lord. No. I mean, look at our church right here. Calvary Chapel of Santa Barbara. You're just doing Awana every I Wednesday night. I do Awanas every you children's Wednesday, ministry. You yes. do lots of other kind of yes. just basic ministry. Yes. You teach women's retreats and women's yes. groups from time to time. Yes. Yeah. But uh, there, but there is one thing you haven't mentioned. The one thing that is really close to my heart um, that I love doing, um, probably just as much as I love doing the dental. And that is one-on-one ministry to pastors' yes. wives around the around the globe, or discipling young women um, who want to live fearlessly for God. And um, I have about five or six women that I talk to on a regular basis, spread out um, through the week. That's right. So that's exciting. I love that. Yes. I love I love being having had these forty years of ministry experience, almost forty. 
and um, just serving the Lord more than that. Um, not being a know-it-all, but really entering into the per- place that God has somebody and can give them some just pearls of wisdom and just have someone that they can talk to. Yes. And and someone's yes. listening to them who is kind of outside of their circle, but they can be real and they can discuss things and we can be challenged by things. And so each one of them are in very different places and stages of ministry. And I love, I love it all. It's really awesome. Well, but that's really the key. You love Jesus. You love his people. You love a needy world. And you're just using the gifts God's given you in whatever way he's given you to be able to do that. And I have no agenda of my own, not self-promoting, not wanting to make a name for myself other than making the name of Jesus more more popular and more known and more um, out there so that people can know who he really is. We hope in the next few weeks to have a page up at EnduringWord.com yep. that kind of tells a little bit about the dental work that yeah, you do, just yeah. if people are interested. Yes, yes exactly. Okay. No, okay, that's good. great. Good. Awesome. Okay. Are you ready to get to some questions people are sending in? Oh, I think so. Okay. okay. All right. So you'll just answer all the questions, no, right? No, no, okay. no, 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 okay. no, no. All right. First one comes from Cassidy from our YouTube audience, asks, how long have we been married? Okay. that That's a question is, for you. Is that a question for yeah, me? Yeah. Let's see if you know. Okay. It. Well, this is what I know. I know that this coming January, yes. it's going to be 40 years. Yes. It'll be 40, 40 years this January. So at the present time, th- we had our 39th anniversary on January 8th. Yes, this has And this this present year. Mm-hmm. And uh, it'll be 40 years this coming January. So that's yeah, how long. That's how long. For yes. almost 40 yes. years. Yes. So we, we got to know each other in the fall of 1980 when we were both right. at Bible school. And uh, that's when we struck up a friendship and became acquainted with each other and then had a long distance relationship and then... I got, we got engaged and I still went back to Sweden because that's where I'm born and raised in Sweden. And uh, that's where my parents are listening from right now. Hi, mom. Hi, dad. Hope (laughs) us know how to be all. So. That's right. What was that you just said? I said, hope you're doing well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. uh, Next question comes from Kike, again, from our YouTube audience. Asks, my mother has terrible mood swings and she lives with me. As a Christian, should I continue to pamper this behavior to honor my mother? Oh, wow. That's a very good question. Isn't that a good question? That's a great question. I think I think if we start with the end part, and that is um, honoring your mother. Um, right, that's a biblical that's command, a biblical, both Old Testament and New that's Testament. A, that's a biblical, honor your father and mother. Yes, honor your father and mother. And I think that... Um, it has to look a little differently depending on the relationship and the dynamics in the relationship. But what would be a biblical definition of honor? Well, think about this. Um, for children who are like in the home. In the home. Uh, young children. Mm-hmm. They're commanded in the scriptures in Ephesians, for example, to obey. obey. Right. But but that isn't necessarily a command of adult children in relationship right. with their parents. Right. But even if obedience isn't commanded, honor is. Correct. And, and I would say that even if you're doing something that you think is best, but not necessarily what the parent would first desire, you have to do it in an honoring a way as possible. Yes. Yes. Um, and with that has to do with respect and a yes. lot of respect has to do with tone and yes. choice of words. Um, the other thing is, is 
um, recognize that probably at this point in your life, if you're both adults and been for a while, um, you're not there to teach your mom a lesson. You're not there to point out her flaws or her weaknesses or shortcomings, but to continually point her to Jesus, giving her an opportunity for maybe growth in her faith and her trust Mm. in God. And I think that without having to pamper um, what you might consider uh, weak behavior, uh, bring her to Jesus Say, let's pray about this, Mom. Let's 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 look at this maybe biblically. Uh, I want I want to um, I want to encourage you and build you up in this. Um, I think that you can have a very meaningful relationship with your mom if you base those um, honoring times on your Christian faith on on what what would Jesus do? What would grace do? What would love do? in this moment and time in your mom's life? You know, it's a little hard to tell from the question because we don't have any idea what age the mom is at. Right, right, right. But as our parents become older, in some sense, I mean, you and I feel it even at our relatively young age, Mm -hmm. we, you know, you get weaker as you get older and and your capabilities. And there's a place for having compassion on those weaknesses. Right, right. Right. Uh, we, we understand the weaknesses of small children, and it's kind of easy for us to have, have compassion on that. Right. But when we think of, of those who grow older and maybe, you know, they're not as strong as they used to right. be, sure. there's, there's compassion to be had for that as well. And, and when it comes to mood swings, there's always a trigger. You know, mm. there's always a trigger that mm. sometimes, not always, I, let me not preface that, not always, but mood swings is one of those tricky things that um, you find, finding a way to offset the mood swing so that that doesn't become the issue. But looking at mm. the entirety of it, where do you want to go from here? How do you want to navigate? How do you build on one of these issues at a time in the way that would honor her and honor God? Um, sometimes mood swings comes with age and, yeah. and they're unavoidable. Um, pampering them is not necessarily the only choice you have. Um, I, but I think it's sometimes, sometimes mm-hmm. you just let, let mom feel what she feels and say what she says mm-hmm. and don't take it personal and don't make that the issue. Okay. So I, I think for her, she, she needs a lot of prayer yes. and she needs a lot of grace and a yes. lot of patience. And those are all works of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is all those things that we need at so many different seasons of our life. And mm. so being not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, walking in the Spirit and not in the flesh, and living in the truth of what the Spirit wants yes. to do in our lives. Yes. Okay, great. Let me go on to the next question. Yeah. It's from our TWR360 okay. of viewer Paulette. Paulette asks, can you explain the week of purification? Do you want me to take the lead on that? Yes, go okay. ahead. Okay, well... There are several different places in the Bible where it describes some kind of week of purification. Sometimes it was for the consecration of the priests. Sometimes it was in regard to childbirth. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it would be regard to some kind of ritual uncleanness. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's just important to understand the concept of ritual uncleanness in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. It didn't mean a person was necessarily a sinner 
though it could be a reminder of fallenness, but more of weakness having to do in the human condition Mm -hmm. and how we need to be purified, that we fall short even when we don't intend to. But there was also sometimes a practical uh, result from this. Sometimes, for example, with the um, purification that was related to a woman's monthly cycle Mm -hmm. or to childbirth, that effectively gave them days off. You know, in the yeah. midst of their schedule, which which could be a benefit to them. Sure. So uh, the week of purification or whatever could apply to many different things. But essentially, it was bringing somebody back into full fellowship in a ceremonial sense with the community of Israel uh, because they had been cleansed from their ritual impurity. Again, not necessarily a sinful impurity, but a ritual impurity. Good. Good. Yeah, that's great. Okay. Next question. Mm. Do you see who our next yeah. question is? Yeah, Yeah. There you go. Right there. Okay. Uh, asks this. Uh, uh, Paul says that, Amer- by the way, that's Subway 23. Subway right? 23. Our, yeah, yes, exactly. Our. Subway 23. Uh, Paul says that married couples save each other through their faith. Does that include parents and children too? Is my atheistic father saved through mine and my mother's faith? Okay, well, the passage that they're speaking about, I believe, is the passage there from 1 Corinthians, where it speaks about um, a, a spouse and children being sanctified by a believing parent. And I think what's important for us to see in this is that the idea of being sanctified by a believing parent, we, I would say we're not completely clear exactly what that means. Here's the text here. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, um, starting at verse 12. But to the rest, I, not the Lord, say, if a brother has a wife who does not believe and she's willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. And a woman who has a husband who does not believe, if he's willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. Verse 14, For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but now they are holy. Okay, now, it says that the spouse there has some kind of sanctifying presence. The whole idea of sanctifying is something to be set apart, Mm -hmm. for it to be set aside for something. We don't know in this context, but it's exactly what I'm being set aside to salvation. Right. So I can't say with confidence that this says, if a husband is saved, then his unbelieving wife is saved, or Mm. vice versa, Mm. of course. Mm. Mm. Now, it does mention in regard to the children being clean and holy Mm. because of the presence of a believing spouse. Mm. That may have a different connotation there. So... uh, I would just say, uh, we, we would say that we're not really talking about here that the Bible says that unbelieving spouses or much less parents hmm. are saved through the presence of a believer. It just says that there's a sanctification, there's a sanctifying presence. Okay, can I give you a follow-up on that? Absolutely. So, would would that word in there, sanctifying, have the effect that that sanctification is a process. Right. So sanctification isn't 
it's not the destination endpoint for this situation. But but right, right, but, not not in this life. I mean, right in right. heaven in our right. glorification will be. But it's, so right. if if the if the writer there, is, Paul, is trying to communicate that. If they stay in the marriage with the believing spouse, there will be a progress of sanctification that will lead to being sanctified. Well, yeah, or at least could, could lead. be, could right. be, right? And so, right. so giving them a better chance at it yeah. uh, if they stay in the marriage with the believing spouse. And, and the whole picture there, I think, again in context, Paul's trying to tell these Corinthians: you've become a believer. Don't think you're going to be more holy by leaving your right. unbelieving spouse. Right. I mean, right, that's right, really right. the issue right. that the Corinthians were dealing exactly. with. Exactly. So, yeah. Well, but this is it. Individuals, especially individuals who are fully accountable before God, right. they have to decide for themselves about heaven and hell. Exactly. Well, it, I mean, we know that. That, right. that is substantiated it's, by other right, scripture. Right. It's not going to right. be forced upon right. them, so to speak. So, so would you say that the issue in these verses is not so much the sanctified by, but not divorcing for reasons yes. that are not yes. good. Paul's giving reasons why yeah. believing spouses should not leave to, their yeah. unbelieving spouses. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Okay, good. Yeah. All right. Next question from our YouTube viewer, Anne Brown, is asking this. She says, is there a way for dentists in other countries to serve with you? on one of my trips. Yes, absolutely. And in a few days, we'll put all that information up on EnduringWord.com, um, how they can get a hold of me and how we can work together on these things. And I have several dentists that I almost always invite. Now, very rarely or seldom do they're, they come. They're busy because people, they're busy. you know, yeah. and you but have if, a specific schedule. And if they know far ahead of time and the, the, the timing works good, then absolutely, I would love to have dentists. Now, a little caveat in that it will not be dentistry as they know it. So, so a dentist has yeah. to have the the mindset or the willingness to be super flexible, maybe learn a few more tricks you in know, their bag. De dentists today are using super sophisticated so tools. So many. And we, but we, you guys don't have that. We don't work with any electricity at all. Yeah. I mean, even our headlights are battery operated because we can't count on electricity. So everything mm. that we do has to be done in a certain way and in you know field dentistry so to speak so right. um, if if there is a dentist out there that thinks that they have the personality and the ability to be flexible and learn something new or new they know what what's being done but it's just a different way to now do it. most of the time when you're in these developing nations doing this you're dealing with patients who have never seen a dentist before. I would say 90% they've never seen. Wow. And some of these places, we were the only ones they saw maybe a few years ago. That was yeah. the first time. Because yeah. so. you're not trying to go into a community and be competition. No, 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 no. And yes. we're very rarely competition. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> so if there's one dentist for, you know, half a million people, you know those yes. who are the poorest will, will never get a chance to be seen because yeah. they need money for food instead of dental care. So that's right. how it works. But yeah. Okay. Thank you, Anne. Next question from a YouTube viewer, Robert, says, I try to develop my own doctrinal beliefs, but I find biblically supported positions from experts on both sides of an issue. Is there an advantage in developing my own theology? Right, well, Robert, I'll kind of take the lead on that particular question. And I would say... We, 
I, I, I just want to be, I think I understand your heart in this, but I want to be a little bit careful with the way that you phrase that. Mm-hmm. Yes, you need to understand the Bible, theology. Here, me that Bible. You, dun, you, dun, dun, dun. Yeah, you need to understand this, this Bible for yourself, no doubt about it. But of course, and again, I'm not trying to make a picky point about this, uh, Robert. You're not trying to develop your own theology. You're trying to come to a proper understanding of biblical theology. What does the Bible say? And ultimately, you have to study the scriptures carefully yourself, listen to good voices from different perspectives, and in good conscience before the Lord, express it the best way that you can. So, in general, Robert, I would say, yes, you should not inherit your theology. Look, I know our viewers right now can see behind us. I got some books on a bookshelf behind us. And over here, here, yeah, I've got a bunch of books up here. And I've read a lot of these books. A lot of them are commentaries that when I go through books of the Bible to teach through or to prepare my commentary on, I'm reading these. Um, I, I don't know if there's a single book on here that I would say I agree with absolutely every word that's written in it. Maybe there's some, but I can't think of any right off the bat. So there, there's always some sifting that has to happen and realize that there can be fairly good reasons why believers who are intelligent, love the Lord, respect the scriptures, would nevertheless come to some different perspectives on some issues. So, um, I, I think that we don't want to come to a place where we just say, well, there's so many differing opinions, nobody can know anything. Uh, I, I don't think that's a helpful attitude. But we don't just want to inherit our theology, even from a respected teacher or preacher that's benefited us a lot from. Uh, so, I, I think that's important. So, Robert, I would want to encourage you. Keep studying, keep reading, keep diving deep, and realize that God gives you the responsibility to be a workman writing, divide, rightly dividing the word of truth. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think of that phrasing, what is it, Second Timothy? Probably. I like the phrasing in the Old King James, study to show thyself approved. What I like about that. It's study to show thyself or yourself approved. Mm-hmm. You see, oftentimes I want to study to show somebody else approved. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's good. But no, I, I got to study to show myself approved mm-hmm. before mm-hmm. God. Yeah. So good. Yeah. No, that's good. All right. Next question. It comes from Elizabeth. Okay. Elizabeth says, can I join you, Ingalil? I don't have many talents, but I can speak Spanish and English. I would love to have um, non-dental people come along uh, occasionally. So when... On the website, there's my contact information. Uh, contact me, and we'll start a dialogue and see what trip would be best for her to come on. That'd right. be awesome. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, some of the people that you have as a team are people who aren't don't have a lot of dental training because there are other ways to help. Yes, yes. Including myself. Yes. You as can, at least yes. once I've been a part of one of your <laughs> yes, dental teams. exactly. Yeah. We had somebody cancel last minute, so I said, honey, I'm training you, and you're going to yeah. do what I, oh, <laughs> what I need you to do. And you did great. Well, I was so proud of you. But let that me say, awesome. the most fun was just helping you on the stuff you yeah, were doing. That's yeah, right. and that was actually the first time that you had been with me on a clinic and seen what I did. 
right? Sure. I mean, I'd seen pictures. pictures. I've heard yeah, you yeah, say, yeah. but it, yeah. it is different being, being there. there. Being there it's in person. Yeah. yeah, that was yeah. really like fun. Like when you were pulling the teeth on that lady who yes. had HIV? Yes, you're right. Oh, yeah. I wow. remember the last patient yeah. of the day. Yeah. yeah. We save HIV to the end of That's the right. day. That's yeah. right. Okay. <laughs> you remember that. Yeah, I do. I do. Okay. That's great. Look, next question comes from Nick Call. Yes. We want to say hi, hi. to Nick and, and Jesse Call. Yes. Uh, Nick and Jesse were part of our Bible college work. For seven years, Ingela and I, we worked with a small international Bible college Mm -hmm. in Germany. And wasn't that one of the best things we ever did? Unbelievably amazing and fun and rewarding and challenging. And part of one of the great things about it was all the people we got to meet, including Nick and Jesse Call. And they came on staff with us for for a period of time during those seven years. Nick's question, first question is, is Ingalil a fan of the Dodgers? That's an American baseball team. We have an international audience here. And yes, if I have any baseball team that I'm a fan of, it is the Dodgers. I support his fanship and I encourage him and listen to him when he's upset and angry with the Dodgers or when he's happy because they've won. Um, Do I sit and watch all the games? No. No. No, no. But um, if I'm cheering for anybody, if they're playing, it's going to be the Dodgers. <laughs> well, just because you know I'll be in a better mood. Yes, yeah, of right. course. Right. Of course. Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but the next question is, what are Ingalil's thoughts on the importance of encouraging your spouse in the ministry, especially in times of discouragement? That's a very good question. And I think that that's something that we have a lot of experience in. Well, look... We are extremely blessed in ministry, no doubt about it. Yep. But we faced lots of discouragements yep. and challenges. I mean, yep. we, we don't no, want to we make it seem like it's something exempt. that it isn't. We no. haven't been exempt from the um, unique challenges of being a married couple in ministry. Now, you and I, that's kind of all we've known because our whole entire married life, we have been in full-time ministry. So we don't know what it's like necessarily to have, you know, two spouses, you know, spouses having regular jobs and regular challenges and this and that. All we really know is life in the ministry and what that marriage um, faces um, on a daily basis, these almost 40 years that we've um, been married. So... I think that what what helps to encourage each other in discouraging times is knowing each other. Hmm. Um, I I can sit and give you ten ways to encourage your spouse. They might not work for you, yeah, because I know what encourages him. So the most important thing in a ministry marriage is that communication of what. What can I, and you might even want to talk about when you're not in a discouraging time, but what can I do when you Mm. are discouraged? And there's different forms of discouragement and there's different reasons why there's discouragement. So there's got to be ways in which you are uh, collecting data on each other through the years and remembering what helps and what doesn't help. I think sometimes the best thing is to know what doesn't help. Because yeah, it's it's like they say to doctors: first, do do no no harm. harm. Exactly, exactly. And I have often thought, especially as a wife, um, I need to fix his discouragement. I need to get him out of his discouragement, and I need to make things better so he's not so discouraged. 
And that's not really... That, that doesn't work that, so good no, with me, does it? No, it doesn't. Yeah. No, it yeah. doesn't. Yeah, no, it just, I mean, I can, I can cook his favorite meal. We can do fun things that he likes to do. But it's more important for me to be sensitive at the moment what is really needed here and ask. I mean, I think... We romanticize too much in marriage that we need to read minds and read hearts mm. and 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 know instinctively what needs to be done without asking. And I think that's that's a waste of time. Mm. I think asking is super important to say, you know, what what do you think you need right now, honey? Yeah. I know you're discouraged and I'm praying for you. Um, what can I do? Is there anything I can do? Be very clear and open. Don't, uh, I think... On, if you go the other direction from the man's side, he wants to be the hero and he wants to you yeah. know, bless his wife and he wants to help her out of this season and time. Sometimes each spouse needs to go through a very low point to, um, to face some issues, to recognize their dependence upon God. Yes. Um, you don't have to be my hero. I have a hero and his name is Jesus. Yes. And, and if you can swoop in and, and make life um, more pleasant or easier or more joyful for me, great. But I don't need a hero to sweep me off my feet and, and whisk me off into the sunset. I need a real person who... Um, wants to know what he can do mm. to um, ease the discomfort or discouragement that I'm in at the time. And that takes communication. I think that's super relevant for these uh, things of, of like moments of great discouragement. But I think in general, yeah, apart from times of discouragement, it's important that we encourage one another in our ministry. Yes. Yes. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, I think it's been important for me to mm -hmm. encourage you in the mm -hmm. gifts and the callings that God's given you. Yeah. And, of course, you've done that with yeah. me for our whole marriage. Yeah. I think yeah. there's a mutual thing. Yes, uh, yes. In that. And, you know, I think for me, um, I tell women this so often, you are spirit, soul, and body. Mm. And they all work in chorus, in, in harmony with each other. You have to feed your spirit in order for your soul to be at rest. You mm -hmm. have to be at rest for your body mm -hmm. to receive both nutrients and enjoyment and fulfillment. So recognizing that, that maybe one of those areas are at a deficit in your life, and if you can figure out what that is, communicate what that is, um, it could be a simple solution, and you can very simply say, mm. you know, honey, I need, I need a day off from the kids, or honey, I just need to not cook for several days. That that's all. That's your soul that yes. needs that needs a break, that yes. needs rest. Um, or I need I need time in the morning to spend time with Jesus. Could you um, make sure that I get a peaceful time? Sure. You know, watch that, the kids or do whatever else exactly, is necessary. Exactly, yes. because my spirit is at, is at a deficit. So. And let me just say, there are years in life raising a family that it is very chaotic. It's very mm. stressful and, and you exhausting. exhausting, most of all exhausting, and you don't feel you have time for each other. That's where grace comes in. Recognizing, give each other a lot of grace. Don't put more demands on it. Mm. Um, find your greatest satisfaction in Jesus. Free your people mm. from the tyranny of expectancy um, so that you can receive from the Lord what you need at the time and work on those other things. You know, yeah. don't 
don't um, make it so dramatic. Mm. Um, it is it is traumatic at times and dramatic at times, but don't don't add to don't it. Don't add to it. Right, yeah. right, right. So, thank you, Nick Jesse, for that good question. question. Okay, next question comes from Charla, who asks, "What a treat having Ingalil today." Thank you. Uh, can you share from your experience how we can best pray for our pastor's wives? Ooh, oh, I like that that's question. That's a question that's for a you. Great, that's a great how, question. How do you pray? How do you best pray for a pastor's wife? Well, when I pray for other pastor's wives, this is kind of what I pray for them. I pray for them to um, be able to encourage themselves in the Lord, um, that they could see clearly what God's call is upon their lives and fulfill that. I pray that they would um, mm. resist discouragement mm. because there's many opportunities for right. that. And I pray that they would um, not have such thin skin, not become hardened and callous, but not be so easily hurt um, by others. And to minimize, I pray for for the for the Lord to minimize injury for them during, uh, you know, during ministry times yes. and, and church times. Um, people say the the strangest things and make the weirdest Sometimes comments. Sometimes hurtful things. And things you, you, they try to get to you through me by yeah. telling me what they think you should be doing. I mean, there it's just the, it's just the weirdest, <laughs> weirdest role in this world, actually, um, well, and I like what you said about praying that God would minimize. Minimize. You, you, we can't, you yeah. can't eliminate them. No, no. It, it's just part of what it is yeah. to being called a ministry. Yeah. But we we pray for mercy and yeah. that it would be as, you know, as minimal easy. as possible. Right. And pray that her joy mm. would come from the Lord, that the joy of the Lord is her strength, and that she finds great um, fulfillment in her role as the wife of her pastor and the pastor of the church. Mm -hmm. There's a difference between being the pastor's wife and being the wife of the pastor. Yes, absolutely. The, the pastor's wife is somebody that a lot of expectations is put on. The wife of the pastor is somebody that he's married to that gets to it's do It's really ministry. the expectation of one person. Of one right? person. It's between the husband and the wife. Exactly. Yeah. And of God. So. Yeah. So pray often and pray regularly for your pastor's wife and pray that they would have a good marriage because that it's it's Im immensely um, obvious when a ministry couple it does not have a good marriage. You can see it often mm. in the face of the wife. Yeah, it's so, true, isn't it? Yeah, very true. All right, next question comes from our YouTube viewer, Danny, who asks, how can we remain consistent in our relationship with God? Hmm. Would you like me to take the lead on that? Or sure. you got some no, ideas? You, you go first and I'll, I'll supplement if there's anything that's needed. Well, Danny, I think that's a wonderful question, but I do want to say you're, you're really getting at something with that question that I think is really very wise. You're recognizing that there's a natural tendency towards inconsistency. I remember in one of C.S. Lewis books, I think it was uh, the Screwtape Letters, where he talks about what he calls the law of undulation. And undulation is just kind of this moving up and down. And, and the law of undulation would, would kind of be the simple idea that things go up and down. Um, there's highs and lows in life. And I, I like the wisdom of your question because you're recognizing that there's uh, an inevitable up and down 
in our lives, how can we minimize those? We're never going to eliminate them, but minimize them and, and not have the down times be necessarily uh, obstacles in our relationship with God. So uh, I would just say this, recognize that you can be in a down or difficult time and be exactly where God wants you to be. Mm. Sometimes we think that if we were really trusting God, really being faithful to Him, then everything in our life would be comfortable and easy. Mm. That's not biblical Christianity. Mm. Now, look, we praise the Lord for times of relative comfort and ease, mm. but we do recognize that in following God, there's going to be challenges. And sometimes Jesus deliberately put his own disciples, the gospel tell us, in difficult and even to the outward eye, dangerous situations. Sure, sure. And they were in the center of God's will. Right. So th those are my preliminary yeah. thoughts. Ingela, yeah. what would you add? Well, if I can bring in the dental aspect of this. Oh, now that's yeah, a good idea. As an analogy, somebody might say, um, you know, how, how can I keep all of my teeth till my old age? And the obvious answer is to be consistent at brushing. Take care. And, and take care of them. And I have this little thing that I tell children. I said, only brush the teeth that you want to keep. So consistency in doing something all the time, regularly, for the right reason, um, motivated by the right reason, um, will get you results. And to have a desire to be consistent in your relationship with God might not be enough because desires changes. That's desire is, is more of a, of a feeling than it. It's, it's like, well, today I desire to be close to God. Today I desire to, you know, stay close. Well, what if I don't tomorrow? And what if I feel, you know, very weary or I feel, see, if you don't brush your teeth every day consistently and take a break from it, you know, oh, I'll take a break this week, um, you will reap the repercussions of that. So being consistent with the Lord for the purpose of having a vital relationship that builds upon day after day after day is the motivation that says, I will benefit from this. I will, I will reap the rewards if I stay consistent, and I want to see what those rewards and that consistency uh, will bring, the benefits it brings with it. So the opposite is true. If you don't want to have a consistent relation with the Lord, then don't do the things that make for a good relationship. Right. So the desire is not enough, but it's a start, um, motivated by the relationship you get to have consistently with the God who loves you, who saved you, who wants the best for you, um, is looking forward to heaven with you, eternity with you. Um, uh, the walk in the spirit that we get to have is is to not flounder in the flesh and to be without wisdom mm. and, and advice. Mm. There's so many reasons, good reasons, that we need to stay consistent so that the benefits and the results that come with that um, are there. Yes. So, building that consistency. Building a consistency. 
is is super important. Now, if I continue with that, you can have the wrong techniques <laughs> in brushing your teeth, <laughs> and you don't get it done. And I've so been you need there to too. be consistent in the right, right ways. ways in the yes. Right, yes. <laughs> so yes. anyway, enough of that. Okay, we've got. A few more questions to get to here. Let's get to this. From Nancy of our YouTube audience. Yeah. In Isaiah chapter 6, verses 8 through 13, the Israelites harden their hearts. Mm. Is that the same as being spiritually dead? Um, okay, so here's kind of the idea from Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. This recalls Isaiah's call to ministry. Earlier in chapter mm-hmm. 6, it's the, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, right. that whole thing. Love that. Okay, then as part of his commission, and this is in verse 10, Isaiah chapter 6, God says to him, make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Hmm. Okay, now, Nancy's question is, is this the same as being spiritually dead? Well, kind of. Hmm. Because here he's talking about something that gets worse, Okay. People get more hard. They become more and more dead. So I don't know if uh, spiritually dead is exactly because there's a sense in which we're born spiritually dead Mm. and we're not alive until we're born again by God's spirit. Mm. These are people who are growing further and further. Their hearts are becoming harder. Their eyes are becoming blinder Mm. because they're rejecting the message. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like this, the effect. Effect of both of them is the same, but it's really not described in the same terms okay. as, as that. So yeah. I don't know. Does that make a little bit of sense yeah, there? Yeah, I think so. Okay, I like good. That. Good. Yeah, that's great. All right. Uh, Jake asks this question How do I know that I'm doing good enough to get rewards and not disappoint Christ at the Bema seat? Mm. For Angela, don't you love the heart behind that question? I love that. I, I, love, I love it, and it's also scary. Yes. Because I think that for most of us, we might think that, but we might not actually yes. talk about it or voice a question like this. So props to you for being bold enough to ask what many of us think about. What, what a lot of people should be asking, but they don't. Right. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. So how do I know I am doing enough to get rewards and not disappoint? Well, there's a there's the law of rewards and blessings and all that that you've talked about when you talked about rewards, heavenly rewards. You know, yeah. Uh, do you mind? Or you go, go ahead. ahead. No, you go ahead. You know, I, I, I'm thinking that, number one, we need to be careful that we keep a focus on what we can do today. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus said, give no thought for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. When we think about all the needs, all the problems, all the opportunities, we can become so overwhelmed that we're not meeting all of those things that it just kind of slays us. That we just kind of say, no, what what has God put right in front of me to do? Right. And then the other aspect is this, is I think of what Jesus said about the person not losing their reward, even if they gave a cup of cold water to somebody in Jesus' name. Simple things. Simple Simple things. things. We shouldn't think that... It's going to be the spectacular things that get reward at the Bema Seat of Christ. That's so important. But it's going to be, to use the word you just, consistent things, just yep. done small but honoring and glorifying to God. Yes. Those are going to be those things. Well, and I, and I think that if, if we take out the word enough in your question, how do I know I am doing 
anything to get mm. the rewards and not disappoint Christ. I think that if we understand that it's not so much what we do, how much we do, but what, like you said, what we did mm. and how we did it when we did it, that will not disappoint Christ because he yes. wants us to do what we do out of love, what yes. motivates us. Uh, I think rewards is is a biblical, being re- rewarded. The Bible's reward, never shy never about shy. Talking, talking to about us about reward and, and motivating us. And motivating us with rewards. But for the, for the reason that we do the things we do has to be first um, what is... Actually, the rewards we get is how our heart was at the time that we Mm. did it. Because I look at it this way. We cannot all be given the same things to do, Mm -hmm. right? Right. We are all giving different things to do. So it's not really fair if you're going to get more rewards because you were given more better opportunities. Yeah, but it's more like you did what God called you to do. I did what God called me to do. And I was faithful with what I was given to do. And I did it for the right reasons. I did it out of love to display who he is and my love for him and my love for what he's called me to do. If somebody's more faithful in doing something simple and somebody's less faithful Faithful in doing doing something something spectacular, then... Yeah, yeah, it's the, the it's the, the faithfulness the, it's that the gets rewarded. It's yeah. it's the it's the the words that we all want to hear: good and faithful servant. Yeah. And so, the good in that means that we have done it for the right reason. Faithful is how we have done it. Yeah. Have we done it because God is good and He's given us good to do, and we've done it out of the goodness of our heart? And have we done it faithfully as unto Him and not to men? And I think that's important. I think a lot of what we might do in ministry might not get rewarded at all because we, we didn't do it for the right reasons sure. or the right heart. It's sure. it's going to burn up. Yes. And so I don't... Which is that image at the judgment exactly, seat of Christ. Exactly, the judgment yeah. seat of Christ. So you can take an inventory of your life uh, at any point in your life and say, have I done what I've done thus far for the right reasons, mm. for the glory of God, for His great name? Out of love for him, or have I done it for other reasons? And it doesn't have to be spectacular things. Doesn't at all. have to be spectacular at all. Now you might come to the point in your life you say, "I haven't. I don't think I've done enough." Yeah. F- with that in mind, well, he'll give you opportunities along the yes. way, and yes. take them, and don't neglect them. And I really do believe that somebody who didn't get all the opportunities that other people got, God knows their heart. Yes. And, and I believe that his righteous and just judgment of the opportunities that we didn't get, he yes. knows what we would have done yes. if we would have He judges them. us according to the opportunities we had, not yes. the ones we didn't have. Right, right. But he knows our heart in, if, yeah. in those as well. So, All right. We got a last question here. Thank you, Jake. That was a great Very question. Very good question. All right. Uh, from our YouTube viewer, Pitasoni asks, what is the difference between the indwelling... And the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Well, Pitasoni, I would say not much. I, I, I don't know if we should be making such a fine distinction, but if there's any distinction I would make, it would be this. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is something that happens when a person is born again and they have the Spirit of God. He lives inside them. They are now a temple of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. 
the infilling of the Holy Spirit is something that happens on a continual basis. It's not just happening once and then that settles, but we are told, as it says in Ephesians chapter 5, we are to be constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so, I would just simply say that it works out something like that, that um, we can we can just say that we have that filling of the Holy Spirit uh, that comes back again and again, but we don't have to think that it is a, um, uh, that the indwelling is speaks of something that's more permanent, uh, more something that happens one time. Yeah. You think that makes any sense? I do. I do. And I think that there's a, there's a real issue in our lives when it's gone too long in between asking for a fresh Mm. infilling of the Holy Spirit. I think that there's a relationship we have with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And our dependence is upon the work of Jesus, but our strength comes from the work of the Holy Spirit in us and Mm. through us. Yes, And so to um, be open to a consistent, ongoing filling of the Holy Spirit is super important yes. for victory over yes. sin, for for discernment in situations, for growth um, in faith. And so recognizing that it is our responsibility to be cons- continually being filled with the Holy Spirit by asking, by recognizing that that is a work that he does when we ask for it. So you don't have to pray continually, Holy Spirit, live inside me. Nope. He's but you there. should continually pray, Lord, fill me with your Holy and Spirit. Fi- and fill me up. Yes. Give me an awareness, too, of the presence of the yes. Holy Spirit in my life so that I am depending on it. Yes. That I am utilizing it and not not working things out yes. in my flesh yeah. and working um, in that particular way. So I think it's, it is, to me, I feel like it is mm. the most, one of the most important issues in the Christian life. Are we walking in the Spirit? Yes. Are we depending on the Spirit? Are we living yes. in in the Spirit? Because mm. that's why he he said it's better for me to leave the earth so that you can greater have a, than the physical presence, presence of, of Jesus. Jesus is the indwelling presence wow. of the Holy Spirit. Wow. That to me says it all. If Jesus thinks it's more important for for Him to indwell me by the Holy Spirit, then I want to recognize that in all of its power and glory for my yes. life. To live in that victory over um, over this sinful body. Yes. Yeah. So. Well, that was our last question. Oh Amen. wow, we're done. We're done. That went You're so done. quick. I'm done. Didn't it go fast? <laughs> it was great. Thank you for watching today, and thank you for um, w- sending in your great questions. Would you consider coming on again sometime? If, I mean, it took us kind of a long time to do it this. It did, but if you will have me. Absolutely. Yes, I, would, I would love that. It's much more yeah. fun to do it together with you. Is it? Yes. Oh, well, yes. great. Well, if your audience thinks that I should be on it and you think I should be on it, then okay. I would gladly do it again. All right. We want to thank everybody. Thank you for your prayers, for the work that we do as yeah. part of Enduring Word. Yes. And uh, we have a free Bible commentary online, EnduringWord.com. Some people find it helpful. Maybe you will. And you can recommend it to other people as well in many different languages, mm. uh, because we're very serious about that work of translating that commentary into many different languages. So that's going to be it today, God willing. And if we live, I'll be back with you next Thursday. And we're looking forward to it. Thank you. Thank you, Annie. That's great. Bye-bye. God bless you. Bye.
You've been listening to a message by Pastor David Guzik for Enduring Word. For more information about our ministry and how to grow in your relationship with Jesus, please visit EnduringWord.com.